Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 24. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, a wet, windy, and wild Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass, won by Cameron Smith by one stroke over Anurban Lahiri on a Monday. Get you our full recap, including Daniel Berger and Victor Hovland getting into it a little bit over Daniel's drop in the final round. Plus, we'll take you around the tours. Our first Danish-born player gets our victory on the LPGA Tour. Corn Ferry gets back in action this week, and we've got news from some Michigan College and junior players as well. Then, of course, we'll get you our full preview and the picks for the Valspar Championship in Tampa, Florida. That's all on this week's episode of the Great Lakes Golf Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the theticketnorthernmichigan.com. Let's go. How about your, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts and your boys sneaking into the, uh, sneaking into the tournament? Is that well, was that well-deserved? What happened? Do you, <laughs> Michigan making it into the tournament. Oh. You think that How do I feel about Michigan making it into the tournament? Well, I, I don't know. I don't really know. I, did they deserve it? Yes, that's what, that's what I asked. Do you think that they did? I, I asked you. I don't really know. I mean, who did they get in over? Uh, I think Dayton. I didn't watch a ton of it. I didn't watch really much of any of the selection Sunday. It looks like Dayton Dayton was kind of one of the bubble teams. What was their record? Any idea? Uh, not off. I think they might have like eight losses. It's kind of a lot. So it looks like... SMU, the Mustangs got left out at 23 and 8. Um, Wake Forest got left out at 23 to 9. Oklahoma, Jesus, 28 and 15. They were on the bubble. I don't know why the hell we're talking about uh, the Michigan basketball team. We can talk about Petoskey basketball team. How, how about them? Yeah, boy, they're rolling now. And in, in, like, in no. I'm trying to see. Like, figure out how to phrase this to not sound like a tick, but they just, they, um, I didn't see, I, I didn't like the games that we saw during the regular season. The team in the regular season was much different than the team that we have watched, uh, that I've watched a couple of their, uh, district games now. And it's, uh, I just didn't think they had enough offense to, to, score with the team maybe they haven't i'm not sure how midland what kind of offense midland had but i guess if you have two big guys that can just get offensive rebounds who really cares how good your offense is as long as you get shots up which sounds like copeland got a lot of uh had a pretty decent game last night and you and had well, they, pre- they led throughout i mean they came out of the gates hot and they you know, they were sort of almost comfortably ahead for the majority of the game. I know it only ended as a, what, like a eight-point victory, but I don't know that it was ever in doubt. Pretty cool. <coughs> the last, do you know when the last regional championship was for Petoskey? I'm going to say it was 2004 when I was a junior. No, it would have been... Uh... <clears throat> 2009. Starkey? Yeah, and like it was Starkey, Keedy, Grant Tracy. Um, 
Joey was probably even on that team. Probably was, yeah. They played Muskegon Heights. What was the final score of that game? Any idea? Uh, we lost on a buzzer beater. Oh! Place was very intimidating. It was in Muske- The game was in Muskegon against Muskegon Heights. I believe was the situation. I know it was against Muskegon Heights. I'm not exactly sure. It was it was in the Muskegon area. I'm not sure if it was at Muskegon High School, but it was. Uh, yeah, ten- game tomorrow night should be should be uh, pretty interesting. You've got Grand Blank has lost two games since January 15th. One was against Detroit Martin Luther King. The other one was against Muskegon. It sounds like they went to some like heavy hitting uh, preseason tournaments and got themselves. Yeah, to get to their eighteen and five record. Yeah, Yeah. losses to Brother Rice, (laughs) Grand Rapids Catholic Central, Orchard Lake Saint Marys, and then the two others that I mentioned, Muskegon and Martin Luther King. Those are their losses. Wins against Saginaw, common opponent in Arthur Hill. They won 65-50, which is not dissimilar from... Oh, no. Did Petoskey play Arthur Hill? No, I don't think we did. I'm mistaken. That was Traverse City Central, I'm thinking of. But we beat Traverse City's transitive property. We beat Traverse City Central two out of three. They beat Saginaw, Arthur Hill. Um, Oh, you had had transitive transitive property going on. I like that. They They played Midland. On January eighteenth, and one sixty-three to forty-two. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing anything like crazy. No, I think it's you know it's not outside the realm of possibility. Like you said, we have size. Yeah, and I I do think we match up very well against a lot of different types of teams. Like I think if they had if Grand Blank is just just two big huge guys, I don't think like that. It would be tough on the defensive side, but then I think that Copeland and Ewing can both spread the floor, and and Copeland can run. That I think you can like you can match it on the other side. Like they're they're versatile enough, and they can and they only play pretty crazy. I don't know if they only play seven guys at most. Would be like at, at any time. It seems like they've been getting good minutes out of Odenbach, though. I don't know which one is that. Is that the point guard? The sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's only that's really the only guy. Him and Yonke are the only guys that come off the bench. That Wargle, Wargle, right? No, yeah, Wargle. Yeah. Wargle starts, and then he didn't play a ton against the game that we watched on Friday night against Central. The oh, they've played. been. It's been really impressive thus far, and if they win tomorrow night. That would be that is next level impressive. That would be pretty they, sweet. They would get me down to the they would get me to the quarterfinal game if they won tomorrow night. Tell you that much. And it's not terribly far away, is it? Where did I? Where is it? I, I, I they've got so many of these games floating around in my head that I lose track of these sites. Is it in Sag? Did I say Saginaw? Um, they are in. They're in Midland tonight. Crazy and then I third. think they would go right back to that same area and go play over at like Saginaw High School. Pretty crazy the Division One. 
Yeah, it would be. Then we got to get to the golf because I got to edit all this out for radio because we don't air on Wednesday nights anyway. And people, everybody will have heard the game right before they would otherwise hear us talking about it. Oh, I see. Yeah, Heritage High School. Oh, at Heritage. Okay. My cousins went to high school there. All right, let's get it. Yeah, go Northman. Let's get to the golf, though, because we had a late, late. It's interesting circumstances for us because it's a late finish means sort of an early start for us. This Tuesday morning is heavy, going to be heavy on the reaction side because we just wrapped up a rain-soaked, windswept players' championship yesterday, which included the conclusion of the third round and the entire fourth and final round cam smith makes like a hundred birdies how many holes can you play unbelievable he had two different birdie streaks of three plus holes inside of his sunday round and he mixed in some bogeys too but then um including on the 18th after he hit a dart on 17 but what a, what a wild finish to a wild tournament your takeaways from the players championship won by cameron smith uh i guess first and foremost uh cameron smith is is really really good at golf uh that was that was so fun to watch him him play on sunday he had he had four total pars and shot 66 on sunday he only had one par through 13 holes and he at that point was uh, six under par with one par through 13 holes. And then he made hit that really good. What do you think? Where do you think he was trying to hit it on 17? Because if he was trying, if he was trying to hit it where it ended up, he's a crazy man. Absolute crazy man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Part of me thinks some of them actually hit it over there. Like I've, I watched Hovland hit it over there. A few couple groups ahead of him. Yeah, because he needed uh, to. Cameron, I know. Cameron had two shots at that point. I know, but I mean, there's not that many good spots to hit it on that green to begin with. No, there's not. And those those greens, I know they have the sub air, but they were really balls were peeling off of that ridge in the middle of the green, and some of them were going all the way into the water. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big, uh, control your spin week for the, yeah. for the guys. On. But I, I definitely, in just watching him hit that shot, that ball looks like it's going right of where he's looking. And then he has kind of an exchange with his caddy that's, he says he has a pretty muted reaction to the shot. Not that he's in, you know, displays much emotion on the golf course anyway, but no, I mean, I think if he was, I didn't see him play that hole the rest of the week. I don't know where else he was hitting it. I don't know how he scored on that hole for the week, but that I, th- it's the thing that's interesting to me is that felt like, Oh, now he's done it. And then he mucks up 18, like reminiscent of Adam Scott almost where it's like, this guy is making so many, hitting so many great shots, making so many birdies that it feels like he's going to pull away. And then he just hits a, he hits a bad shot at the wrong time. So it was impressive in the sense, not only that he was making that many birdies, but he overcame all these mistakes that he kept making. Yeah, no, it was uh, <laughs> it's a really good point that would, so would you, would you rather, so he ended up shooting, 
like when you're when you are playing golf, would you rather have a roller coaster around like that and end up there, or would you rather just have a bunch of pars with a few, just like with a couple birdies? You know no, I think psychologically his way is much better because <laughs> you know I can make up for it. Yeah, exactly, you know, like if I can make a mis- If I make a mistake, it doesn't kill me. Whereas if you're not able to make a lot of birdies, mistakes are more magnified. So asking me that question is hilarious, Hunter. I mean, I've obviously never played a round of golf like that. I've never made how many birdies did he make? Ten? Well, I, I wasn't quite thinking. I wasn't quite thinking on that level. <laughs> I think maybe a dumb, dumbed down version of ten birdies. So for me, it's like two Five. birdies, Five three birdies. doubles, a triple, and a bogey. The rest pars. Hey, hey. So are you? Um, are you team? Uh, Joel and Vic, or are you team Burger? I have that written down in my notes. I happened to be watching the featured group coverage when this happened. You were? (laughs) It was really fortunate on my part. That's awesome. And even from watching it, I still don't know what happened. I mean, I was working at the same time, so I was kind of paying attention, not paying attention, and then Burger got pretty upset. Not that he was, like, yelling, but he was being, you know, somewhat petulant in the sense that i'll drop it here but it's not a good drop and um then my buddy texted me about it later and he said he watched the shot tracer which i had not watched and he thought that burger was actually right which that's a hell of a skinny branch to go out on if you're a playing competitor and you're not certain you're gonna make your playing competitor drop where he believes is a bad drop you better be damn sure that you're right and he's wrong i mean i I, and it also i didn't see that i don't know who was right and wrong but it was pretty contentious for a minute minute made for some interesting television and it also made me wonder does daniel berger have a reputation for this kind of thing does this have something to do with the Ryder cup scenario when he was playing with brooks at whistling straights and they wanted that drop out of the drainage thing and they never got it and he was really kind of a brat about that also i totally forgot about that i don't know i mean it could it could be i i i first off i don't think those shots that i saw so many people on twitter like using that shot and i did it first but then i kind of thought about it like those shot tracers don't necessarily Every maybe like one in every twenty shots, you can see where the ball is in the air next to the shot tracker, and they're not. It's not always like, and and they're not always like spot on. It's usually like at least a few yards, <clears throat> a few yards off of where that shot tracker is. So I, I find it so hard to believe that Victor Hovland and Joel Dahman went out of their way to like to like screw over. Daniel Berger, unless they, unless like you said, they were absolutely 100% certain that this happened. Like the fact that they both said it, they both came to this conclusion. They both came to like the same general areas to where it, it went in. It all seemed very strange that you could have two, two parties that on, on so like completely different sides of it, two sides of the spectrum on this one, which was, is so strange, like different in golf because typically it's it's the player figuring out where it was in the in the playing partner saying yeah that was about 
it's very rarely you see like the, the disagreement like this on the tour. Yeah, you might see like, eh, it might have been a little farther back than that or something like that. But this, we're like, I don't think that's right. I don't think that, you know, there's a rules official. I mean, even the rules, <laughs> the rules official kind of gave up at the end. And then the other interesting thing that I want to toss in here is apparently Joel Damon has done this before. Or he's been involved in a rules scuffle. And it was with Sung Kang. Now, I don't know the history of this, but you can go watch this video on golf.com. And, you know, perhaps I, you know, I may actually, I may do that later. I, it's a, it's a Monday finish and a Tuesday pod. So it's not a t- as much prep time maybe as some other weeks, but I don't know. That seems interesting too. Like we're mentioning how odd it is for something like what happened yesterday to happen between Berger Hovland and Damon. And then at the same time, Damon's actually been through this before. Oh, well, I mean, you're, if you ever seen any of the Berger is Berger is always involved in these rules discrepancies, but he's on the other side of it. Like he, he is, he is Mr. Rules official. He goes over there and stands with his arms crossed like, right, next, that. right next to the drop to like make sure everything goes smoothly. <laughs> it's like buzz off kid. I, I, <laughs> I do not like Daniel Berger anymore. I don't, he could have handled that. I do. This is where it gets really tricky because it is his golf ball. So like he, sh- it's, it, it, I think at the end of the day, like he should be able to decide it's his decision where where yeah. it goes and then and then the rules official going like oh let's just compromise like that's not how it works like either the ball went in here or went in here we can't just like split the difference apparently we can i don't know if that's the a rules new, of the new rule yeah. on the pga tour i just know the rules yeah it's between where i say and you say the uh the rules official didn't quite know how to handle it either it's like all right guys this is getting out of hand here like can we just wrap this up and hit the ball like because we're stalemated here i mean they were stuck it was that's when burger said i'll drop it here but it's a bad drop and that was you know you know that was kind of his way of saying you know like in major league baseball they play under protest or whatever he was playing under protest i was bummed because i played him in sunday showdowns and that bogey on that hole really cost me a birdie there would have been huge and he had a double earlier in the round he was i thought he might actually contend a little bit you know i wondered if somebody would come from behind which has happened a lot of the players last Um, thing uh daniel needs is water right on a par five where he needs to make a birdie or eagle that's is that honda classic hit on the water right he hit the water right on 16 i believe it's that little, that little fade doing him no favors. I'm not really sure why he doesn't play Valspar. Feels like this would be a great course for him. But did you hear? Uh, well, you obviously heard it because you were you were watching it. But I mean, as closely. But Victor, Victor is is, is so polite. Like he like that's that's where I really have a hard time believing that like something wasn't. So he like, he he believed. One hundred percent that like that that was a bad drop because he like, he walked over there so gingerly and was, was and I'm trying to think of his exact language. It was like, I think I'm uncomfortable with that drop or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that's exactly right. He is like the nicest guy in the world. So, um, yeah, I don't like 
You're right. It's really hard to side with Berger in this case because it's two on one, because it's went as far as it did because a guy like Hovland is involved. You know, there's just too much evidence. I get the shot tracer thing and, you know, like I can see both sides of that, but yeah, made for a little extra drama coming down the stretch on Sunday, sort of like a little sideshow going on in this featured group while Cam Smith was birdieing and bogeying his way to a, to his, to a player's championship. He is his short game and his putting. Like I looked at his, his numbers for Augusta and he always seems to play well there and it's, it's down to like 18 or something, but he's going to be a legitimate favorite at Augusta national in a few weeks. Yeah, I didn't uh, – what are his putting stats? Because I didn't feel like he was – they were talking about on the broadcast through the first, like, two and a half rounds. He didn't make it – he wasn't making the putts that he would typically make. I, it was, I'm, I'm like, my days are all confused because of – it must have been maybe Sunday morning. He really was having – he was having a tough time. But, I mean, when he gets it going, he is I – mean, he can make everything. It's, it's pretty uh, – it's pretty incredible to watch. Yeah, now if he's been struggling with his putting, it's it's like something that's more of a short term type of thing because he is a great putter and he's known for his uh, known for his short game. I, I don't feel, know what the. I bet you can hear. Let's. I feel like we have to mention. Um, oh, I have to mention Lahiri. I, I think it it is it is proof. Proof is in the pudding of how, like, razor thin, sharp the line is between a player's champion, and then I think Lahiri is ranked somewhere in like the three hundred and fiftieth in the uh, the world golf rankings. So I mean, he he looked like he belonged all weekend. He played really solid golf yesterday. Like nothing, he shot uh, shot three hundred yesterday. 67, 67 for the weekend, 67, 69 for the weekend. Uh, I was, I was very impressed. Had a chance to get to the playoff almost at that point. To be honest with you, I had it turned off. I did not, I didn't, I didn't even know that that was, that was a possibility. Yeah. He played, he really put up a good fight. He was the only one who did, you know, Hovland kind of a little bit, you know, some guys were kind of threatening a little bit, but he was really the one guy with a chance towards the end. In 25 measured rounds, Cam Smith ranks third on the PGA Tour this year in strokes gained putting. He was 12th previous to last week's performance. Now the surprise on here is Colin Morikawa, interestingly enough, in 14 measured rounds, ranks eighth in strokes gained putting. Not at all his strength, and yet there he is. And a bunch of the usual usual suspects up here, like Denny McCarthy, Mackenzie Hughes. I wonder, uh, do you have any idea, have you seen anything as far as the number of guys that made it through that had to go out and play on Saturday? Was that Saturday? During, like, the, the real... Yeah, Saturday afternoon after they started at like noon. I'd love to. Yeah, know I don't how, have the. How many I don't have the numbers it behind it. 
Couldn't have, but, been, couldn't have been a ton. No, the wave advantage was so huge. And it was opposite of what most in the gambling community were expecting. So there's a lot of people who, you know, played that afternoon morning wave instead of the opposite. And it turned out that if you got out early and you got to play on Thursday, that you had a significant, I mean, we were watching golf like late in the day, Saturday. And it was funny because it's something you'll never see be really on a Saturday based on the fact that the tournament was delayed and the wave advantage was so extreme, but the wave that was on the, they kept showing the leaderboard and nobody on the, in the, except for maybe one or two players in the top, you know, however many they put on that first page when they put in the lower right portion of the screen, maybe six or eight players, something like that. None of them were actually playing at that time. So, and it sort of that held up in terms of, of the guys in the top 20, you know, maybe 15 or more were in the morning afternoon wave because the, the weather advantage was so stark. I, I think they would adapt um, if they had to, but could, do you think, do you think a, a PGA tour player could go to like the kind of like the cold part of the European tour season and, just like a top five, a top five PGA Tour player, go and just looked exactly the same over in Europe. Like I think it kind of exposed some guys that are like the that just don't that are really good when things are when the conditions are great and it's seventy and sunny with maybe a little bit of wind, but when it starts getting and you can't like <clears throat> can't quite work the ball like you some of the guys used to be able to, they, they kind of got exposed. High ball hitters got big time exposed. I don't know though, because Cam Smith is a high ball hitter. Is he? I mean, I know he's Australian. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't really think of him as much as having to, the issues with the wind as much as, I mean, some of the guys that missed the cut. Like you said, I mean, it was you, they just kind of got like the. <clears throat> I think Kepka it had more to do. I, I think it. Yeah, it may have just been luck. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys, yeah, sure. Like Hovland was up there, really good ball striker, like kind of a lower hitter. Hatton had a good week. Lowry had a good week. Casey, obviously, like those are all guys that fit that description for sure. But Cam Smith's game can travel, even though he's not a great driver and he's literally duck hooks it like at least once around off the tee. Duck hooked it into the lake on 18 this week. He duck hooked it on, was it 16 on Sunday? Off the yeah, tee ball, he hit the been, ball like 190 yards. But he's, his game travels because he scrambles and he putts. So he's almost like the antithesis of the player that you look at when you're trying to pick a winner. It's like, who's, who's not putting well but hitting it great? Like, He's always putting it well, chipping it well. When he hits it great, he's going to be in contention. So you give him either like wide fairways, like at when he shot a gazillion under in uh, Hawaii and won, or Augusta National has really wide fairways, or you give him sort of adverse conditions where it becomes a scrambling contest and boom, he's your guy. How about uh, how about Bubba Watson? <laughs> I think he shot. 
he shot 68 in those in those just horrid conditions on Saturday. And then it gets real nice on Sunday and Monday shoots 78, 76. <laughs> guy, guy, guy just can't figure out the die courses. So the fact that he I shot couldn't 68 he was shot so that. impressive. I know. I couldn't believe he shot that round. I was so depressed about it too because I was like, guy was like 6,800, 6,900. So it was Keegan, but who I played like 60% in DraftKings this week, but I ended up being right about that because Bubba got basically last place. Or did he get last place? Uh, and he worked on that? Second to last, I believe. Oh, lovely. Behind, oh, lovely. Lovely. Uh, second, se- second to DFL. Well, who was last? Lee Hodges. Lee, he's been playing pretty good. He's making cuts. What happened to your boy, uh, Billy Horschel? He quit. He got too sick of the weather. He gave up. Halfway through, he literally quit after, <laughs> I don't know what, did he get COVID? I mean, he quit after all the weather delays were over. He was just like, F this time out of here. I don't know if he had some kind of other commitment to get to or something, but not playing this week either, as far as I know. Hmm. No, he's not. I had just a, I had such a brutal week on the gambling side. Like Hideki, I wake up on Thursday and Hideki has withdrawn. So <laughs> go my DraftKings lineups pretty much. Uh, even though I did have some good plays. And then my only, you know, like Lowry was my only guy who was even close to being in contention in the outright market. So it's big old dud there. And now we get to the getting to the end here of this Florida swing. We are. So do you want to go around the tours and then we'll do the Valspar? Yeah. Yeah, there's not um there's not a ton because the the old guys are still off, but we do have some some college golf and a little bit of LPGA. Uh so as far as college golf goes, the uh the Michigan we'll start with the Michigan boys. Um they are playing right now in the Louisiana Classics. They had a tough go at it uh, the first day, which was yesterday, Monday. Um, they played 36 holes. They are 15th after day one. Uh, scores a 298, 296. Uh, the one bright spot uh, is Hunter Thomas. The freshman uh, is right now tied for 48th with scores of 75, 73. They are... They will finish up the round today, just 18 holes, and then they are off until April 11th when they are at the Mossy Oak Collegiate in good old Starkville, Mississippi. And now on to the the Michigan girls. Uh, Ashley Lau continues to just absolutely clean up. Um, They are at the um, Briars Creek Invitational. Right now they are in second place after 36 Kind of after 36 holes, the second round is um, was suspended last night due to darkness. So they'll finish up the second round today along with the third round. Right now, Ashley Lau is in first place. Uh, she opened with a 68. That is um, now three scores under 70 in her last four rounds. Um, currently, after 18 holes, the Wolverines have four ladies among the top 20 individually. So they're playing some uh, very fantastic golf right now. So we will update you 
on both how the boys finished for Michigan and then the girls, um, how they finished as well. They are off until the Ping ASU Invitational, which is March 25th over in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Um, On to the MSU boys. MSU boys are off until the 16th of April. MSU girls are off until the 26th of March. Moving on to the LPGA, we had a first-time winner, uh, Nana Madsen from Denmark, uh, first LPGA Tour victory, uh, and she is the first Dane to win an LPGA Tour event. Made a uh, She made a n- nice little 10-foot eagle putt on the second playoff hole of the uh, Honda Thailand uh, Classic to, to take home. Like I said, her first uh, her first LPGA Tour victory. She hasn't. She's had a little bit of success on the European Lat Tour. Nothing since 2017. Um, had some success in her amateur ranks um, at South Carolina University, but she essentially just quadrupled her uh, career earnings in in four days. So um, awesome name, Nana, and uh, so congratulations to her. And this is obviously a was a big moment for her. Yeah, what a week. Yeah. Uh, remind me, Peter, I'm pretty sure Corn Ferry is still off, correct? For Corn Ferry is back this week. Starting this week? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. So, At uh, the Chitty Matcha. Yes, yes, the Chitty Matcha. Chitty Matcha, Louisiana Open, presented by Mistress, uh, is starting yes like uh, like Peter said March seventeenth through twentieth in Broussard Louisiana, the defending champion is uh, Roberto Diaz. And I believe that- the withdraws are starting at the at the uh, fail spot because I they just locked me out. They're moving things around. The real loser in this whole delay is going to be the Valspar. Yeah, it was only a matter of time. It looks like who dropped here. I can't tell. I think people are starting to withdraw. They're moving around like crazy. I I should have I tried to bet just Jason Kokrak at forty to one. Just barely got him at thirty three. Now he's down to twenty five. Going fast, people. Get it. Get it while it's hot. And then I have uh, I have a one more. Um... One more thing. So, uh, PJ Maybank, just a little update on him. Uh, he was selected to compete in the 2022 uh, Die Die Junior Invitational, which is at Crooked Stick Golf Club. Um, that looks it's like a list. Looks like about uh, roughly about 40 of the top top junior amateurs um, in the country, and that is in June. So, congratulations to PJ. That's a big accomplishment. Some some big names on there. Looks like that's sweet. Yeah, so that's that's what I got for the uh, for the local golf. Hopefully, by either next week or the week after, I'll be able to play golf. We can talk about that. We're getting, we're getting close, Peter. I can feel it. I was actually we've got courses opening up midweek this week in the Chicagoland area. I was actually asked to play. I cannot. That was a very kind offer. I cannot take this person up on said offer. So I appreciate it very much. What do you got? A funeral but or I wedding? I look forward to getting out. Funeral or wedding? Soon. 
What do you have? I have to work. Sheesh. Tough life. I got this, I got this thing called a jab. A J-O-B. Are they just kind of like the munis? Or do they have some country clubs open up? Now, the Glen Club, where they host a Corn Ferry event, is opening on Wednesday. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I've already told Brad down in Grand Rapids that I'm coming. I'm coming that first that first weekend where a course is open. I'll be there. I'm coming. I'm excited. We're getting, we're getting, feels like we're getting very close. All right. You want to talk about the Valspar? Let's get it. All right. The tour remains in Florida, Innisbrook. And what's the name of this town? Mm. Is this because it's not technically in Tampa, is it? It is. I would have thought it was Tampa, but maybe not. Palm Harbor? Does that sound right? Sure. I believe it's Palm Harbor, Florida. Tampa, greater Tampa, Tampa area. Can you confirm or deny that, Hunter? It's Palm Harbor, yes. Yes, Palm Harbor. That's By the way, speaking of Tampa, Tom Brady is not retired. So I hear. Yeah, I mean which everyone everyone has their everyone has their drawers in a bunch over this one. I don't really care. I mean, he's he, just going full weirdo on everyone. I mean, he did a 10 slide Instagram presentation of his retirement to Tampa Bay and took five weeks for him to go back on everything he said and what if, rejoin the team. So let's, let's say that Shefty didn't report that news. Does he send that? Does he still do that video? He like, he, like he forced his hand almost. So he had, he had to put out, maybe he was like, maybe he was very close to and then that just kind of put him over the edge where he had to but I don't think he he didn't do the whole farewell tour so if he would have done the whole farewell tour and got and and done the whole pony show with uh, the pictures and everything and I probably wouldn't have loved that if he would have come back but since he didn't do any of that and he didn't even retire himself Shefty and Darlington retired him I'm okay with it I think Mac Max very happy, so I'm okay. He's contractually that. obligated to uh, retire. No, I don't know, not necessarily. But but I guess that that goes back to my question. Do you think that if Shefty that news never came out, that video still come out? I don't think anybody was necessarily talking about him retiring at that time. Like he had just had he had just had statistically the best season of anybody in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's, I don't know. It's always sort of a complicated, he, he's, he's, he's an interesting dude. You know, I, I, I don't really know what he's ever up to. So he's nothing surprises me in that sense with him. What I, I do hope it's, this isn't like an every year thing. Like I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him one time to do this whole, you know what? I think I'm going to retire, but he can't just start pulling Brett Favre's on us. Yeah, well, I don't think it's guaranteed he's not going to do that. I know, I know, and then then he'll he'll lose my allegiance. I'm working on some just hot 
custom models over here, you're going to be laughing your face off when I give you some of these numbers. You want to bet Graham Dillette this week? Can't. He's not in the field. Zero dollars. That would not be a good bet. Copperhead course at Innisbrook, which we've just learned in a very roundabout way, is in Palm Harbor, which is near Tampa Bay. Uh, Florida. Par 71. What's interesting about that par 71 is that we have four par fives and five par threes this week at the old Copperhead course. Love it. So that's fun and interesting and different. It's going to be between 7,200 and 7,400 yards, which is effectively shortish for four par fives and five par threes. Um, but this course is hard. You're looking at potentially a winning score even into the, in the uh, single digits under par. So um, I'm not sure what the average winning score is here, but this course is no bargain, much like we've seen from the rest of the Florida schedule. Um, Bermuda, firm, fast, fairways are tough to hit. Um, I don't know that water is quite as prominent on this golf course as some of these other Florida courses that we've seen, like Sawgrass, like Honda, API. Um, but the scores get up there regardless of that. What was the winning score last year? So last year, the scoring was pretty good. 17 under. Burns shot 68 in the final round. He won by three, though. So next best was 14. That was Keegan, Florida superstar. Uh, Hovland, Tringali were 13, finished 13 under. Answer, 12 under. Vaughn Taylor, Max Homa were 10 under, tied for sixth. Louis Ustazen. Troy Merritt and Joaquin Neiman rounded out the top 10 at nine under all kind of interesting names uh, going into this week. Other past champions at this golf course include 2020. We didn't play COVID 2019, Paul Casey, 2018, Paul Casey, uh, Kokrak and Gooey were second in, in 2019, Patrick Reed, was second in 2018. Patrick Reed, the days of Patrick Reed being 115 to one are gone. All he needed to do was make a cut. And apparently we're back into the, uh, back down to the regular odds for Patrick Reed. I saw, I think I saw something in the thirties. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, had one in 17. To our yards. I know. Had one in 17. Cantley was second that year. That was really good scoring that year. Uh, 2016 was Schwartzel in a playoff over Bill Haas, I believe. Um, Spieth over O'Hare and Reed again over in a playoff in 15. Uh, John Sendon won a PGA event here. Beat Kevin Na by a shot. Kevin Streelman won in 13. Luke Donald in 2012. And part of the reason I went this far back is because Gary Woodland, interestingly enough, in some great form as we've seen. Well, he didn't play well at Sawgrass, but uh, he won here back in 2011, beating Webb Simpson by a stroke. 
that year was also really good scoring. So those are, I mean, two seventy seven was the winning score, seven under back in twenty fourteen. It was that's ten worse than it was last year. So it's there's a there's a variety here like we've seen from these other Florida courses, particularly API. So that's probably has to do with wind creating some variability there. But the golf course in itself is is not easy. This will challenge the players. It's a reasonable cut. Um, you know, I think bogey avoidance and, and uh, good in the wind and some of these other things that have played well at the other Florida courses will carry over um, this week to the Copperhead course at Innisbrook. What did I miss? Um, not, nothing that I, uh, nothing I noticed that this, this course is just very difficult. Uh, it was just barely made it under par scoring average is 70.9. Um, last year, par 71 was the lowest, uh, eight, eight year low, um, for, uh, the Copperhead. So I'm not sure what was different last year, um, in comparison to other years, but I think uh, just keeping the ball and playing and making making those pars, making a lot of just the it's not gonna be a necessarily a birdie fest by any means. Yeah. So here's a few comments from players on the golf course. Rory, not a whole lot of drivers, but a lot of mid to longer irons into the green uh, speed. The course plays longer than the yardage. Um, Paul Casey, there's a premium on ball striking. Scoring's never that low around here. Daniel Berger, you have to hit your long irons well. Um, Stenson, it's a course where you position yourself off the tee. You have to lay back unless you really want to try and thread a few tee shots with your driver. So, again, it's a less than driver off the tee type of course and a long approach into the green type of course. On top of that, you've got five par threes. So there will be a premium on par three scoring, strokes gained approach, and and on those longer approaches too. So in that sense, it's a lot like uh, API because that's another golf course where you don't hit, you don't have to hit a ton of drivers and really it's more about hitting your, hitting your long irons. Then we saw that week is about not only being able to hit those long irons, but being able to hit a high ball flight that would hold the firm, a firm that a green that's that firm. I don't know that the greens this week will be quite that firm, but you know, maybe a similar, uh, profile of player mm-hmm. in term in terms of the uh, just guys who play well here. If you look at the uh, top twenty and strokes gain total on this golf course in the last twenty rounds, it's Ustase and Casey Schwartzel, Burns, Bill Haas, Jason Kokrak, Adam Hadwin, Abe Answer, Henrik Stenson, Bubba. Snedeker, Vaughn Taylor had a good year last year. Kucher, Keegan, Zach Johnson, Russell Knox had a good week last week. Victor Hovland, Wesley Bryan, interestingly, Jonas Blixt, Neiman, uh, and then JT is 22nd and DJ is 23rd on, on that list. So those are some of the guys who do well here. The guys who putt well here, top 10 in strokes game putting on this golf course, last 12 rounds, Burns, Perez, Poston, McCarthy, Merritt. Again, they're popping. Sneds popping. Schwartzel popping. Kazire 
90 to one this week, made a lot of birdies last week. Louie's there, Norin playing well. Brendan Todd, Brendan Grace, Abe Answers up there. Co-crack is up there, likes these greens, puts well on these greens, and there's Vaughn Taylor as well. Even Hovland puts these greens pretty well. So um, some of the guys who excel <clears throat> in these conditions on this on this golf course. Was uh was Matt Fitzpatrick's name on that list? Did I just not hear it. No, it's interesting. He profiles really well. I like this Fitz, golf Fitz course Patrick this week. So I, I wish do I, too. I, I think would have heard his inter- name in your model. Interesting bounce back spot for him here, and he's got a halfway decent number. I've seen some in the mid twenties. I don't know what you've seen, but here in Michigan, I'm in Illinois today. But you'll hear him on a couple of these lists, which are more the you know just the form, despite the him shooting a couple of two over 74s last week and missing the cut by two. If you look at the top 20 in strokes gained total coming into this week, the last 24 rounds, it's Thomas Hovland, Cameron Young, Neiman, Keegan, Fitzpatrick, Matias Schwab, I think it's kind of interesting, Xander, McHughes, Norin, Morikawa, Lowry, Perez, again on this list, Hatton, Pendereth, good week last week, Patton, Kazire again there, DJ Louie is there. Burns is there, Knox is there. And then if you take the short game out of it and you just look at the ball striking, that changes to Keegan, JT, Munoz, Neiman, Knox, Cameron Young, Lowry, Laird, Percy, Xander, Gooey, Hovland, Nick Taylor, HV3, Penderth, Kazire. There's Fitzpatrick, Vaughn Taylor, Johnny Vegas, Adam Hadwin. So that's a look at your sort of the, how this, some of the numbers are popping out in terms of the form and the history. I wonder if it has anything. I wonder if there's anything to be said about guys that had to play 27 holes on Monday, which I would think would typically either be a rest day or a travel day. So like, is there schedule? Is there scheduled? I mean, their brains are pretty wired to do the same thing every week. Are they? I think that throw them off at all. Yeah, I think it can. I think just like the really difficult conditions at API, you know, we were worried about that going into Sawgrass and not too many of those guys held up really. I mean, uh, Hovland is a, is a machine. Dude, he's, he's, like he's, the, so he's like the new Sungjae basically right now. He's playing so well. You see his name like, every, you, you mentioned like the six, the six names that you see on the, the bottom right corner. He is always in that six name list. Every, the ball striking every is I know the ball striking is so good. The chipping was so bad again. He's in the two hundred and twenty somethings in chipping. See that? Second second to last. Second to last in chipping. A, a true test of his ball striking. Around the see, green. If he would have yeah. won this week, he would have been world number one with the worse so it's it's like everything you hear about it's impossible to to be on the tour with with a bad short game he is like he's sticking it to him Got but it. he's not winning look at will zalatoris will zalatoris will give you nightmares if you watch him putt and he is not winning i know he has a playoff loss this year i know he's made a ton of money but it's different from winning the golf tournament who won at sawgrass Cameron Smith, he has a short game. Are you saying Victor hasn't won? He's won like four times in the last eight starts. Everybody's won soil, but they've been winning. Exactly. 
Yeah. But against good so, fields, not against like there aren't against yeah, like yeah, podunk yeah, fields. Yeah. I mean he couldn't win at Bay Hill he, when he was in contention. <laughs> he he, like he's come up short <laughs> on these tougher golf courses where eventually you have to scramble. And I think that's pertinent if you're talking about forecasting him winning. Like you have to scram you're gonna have to scramble at Innisbrook. I know it puts a premium on ball striking, but eventually you'll have to Granted, Paul Casey won here two years in a row. He plays well here every year. He he doesn't chip either. So, like, it gives you an opportunity for your ball striking to shine even more. But I'm just saying in critical moments down the stretch, when you're in contention, you will miss the green. And can you get it up and down? That's a real question that you have to evaluate when you're picking players. You're also picking them to play to their full potential. You want Hovland to just hit that green. But – can he make a bogey and then instead of a double and then make a come back with a birdie because he can get it, he can scramble on the one hole and then make a putt on the next hole. I think that question will be there until he wins a big PGA event. Oh, he's winning a major this year. Bet you, I bet you 50 bucks to win the major this year. Yeah, I probably wouldn't take it. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I'm not sure which one it's going to be though. I, I bet you he will be top 20 in all of them. It's not going to be Augusta. Game travels that well, I think. I'll certainly bet you that he won't be top 20 in all four majors if you want to bet on that. Mm. Would you top 40? No. Top 30? No. Oh, come on. Maybe in the middle. No. Okay, moving on. Let's look at the odds board here. Apparently, I don't see... I haven't seen any withdraws. I've seen Paul Casey Henrik Stenson. He withdrew? Yeah. Paul Casey withdrew? Yes. The king of the Copperhead course withdrew? From Rob Bolton. Editor's note, Casey withdrew from Valspar on Tuesday. Well, I imagine he's going to be the first of a few. A note on that from a gambling side. Odds will change as players drop from the top of the board. If you see numbers you like, take them early. That's if one or even one or two more players from inside 30 to one drop, it's going to move everybody else's odds. Um, Thomas and Vic lead it off at nine to one. Did you want to say something real quick? Uh, no, no, I was just going to go off another tangent, but. Morikawa is 12 to 1. DJ's 14. Xander's 16. These are Bet Rivers, Illinois. I think you can get numbers that are a little bit better. These offer each way, so they're sometimes a little bit lower. Lowry's 20 with Gooey. Gooey at 20. <sighs> Speaking of guys that don't win, that's an attractive number for a player of his quality, with his in his form, with his history on this golf course in this field. Burns and Hatton are 22. Fitzpatrick, Hunter's guy, is 25. Do you think it's an interesting bounce back spot? I thought we were going to get a better number than that. He, he has, he before Sawgrass, which he got a bad, he got the bad draw. He had four top tens in a row worldwide. He was balling. He was playing very, so I think he just kind of got like, he got put in a blunder. I, um, yeah, I mean, I had bet Sawgrass. him last week. I, I don't, I'm not going to hold that against him. No, so I think if he just, if he takes that as bad luck, which I imagine all the players will. And this course is a better fit for him. This is a course is about making pars, not necessarily making birdies. 
Yeah. But does his ball striking hold up? You know, he, he sometimes he's primo ball magic. Striker, isn't he? he magic beans it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't that top twenty strokes game to the green. So top five strokes game total last twenty four in this field. Hmm. Uh, Kepka twenty eight. Answer thirty three. I bet that right away. Uh, Fleetwood thirty three. Bradley Keegan Bradley thirty three to one. Unbelievable. When uh, does he just keep I, finishing inside the top one twenty five? This is where win. I got the coke rack. I got forty to one here. This is Bet Rivers Illinois. I've seen as low as twenty five to one on Jason Kokrak. I don't know why. Crazy. When was Keegan Bradley's last win? I believe it was the PGA Championship. That long ago? 2011? Was it not? Has he won more recently than that? How is he? I'll keep going. I don't think so. You keep going. I'm looking. looking. Okay, Gary Woodland. I mentioned he won here in 2011. Speaking of wide ranges, I'm looking at a 45 right now, and I've seen, I bet him at 70. So you may want to shop that too. Norlander, if you like it. Norlander, 45. Bubba, 50. Jason Day. Adam Hadwin to come down to 55. That's enough. I bet that it's 70. Webb Simpson, 60 to 1. That's just stunning to look at. With Russell Knox, Christian Bazudin. This this might be, if you're one of those Bazudin Hoyt backers, this feels like the Bazudin Hoyt course. Like the driving distance in particular here is not really relevant. That's his biggest weakness, but he gains fairways. I'm surprised he's not popping up in models. He gains fairways. He makes pars. It's kind of maybe not a dissimilar game from Matthew Fitzpatrick. Kisner and Wise, 66. Munoz mentioned way up at the top of those T to green numbers with Brian Harmon at 70 to 1. Tringali, who's got some history, 80 with Denny McCarthy and Mackenzie Hughes, Party Marty Laird. Kevin Streelman, and then getting to the rounding out the 100 to 1 and unders. Joel Damon is 90. Kazire is 90. Vegas is 90. Perez, Lanto are all 90. Then Molinari, Kucher, Schwab, Mito, Taylor Moore, Nick Taylor, and Burnt Weisberger are 100 to 1. That rounds out the 100 to 1s. And under you mentioned Fitzpatrick. Anybody else really standing out to you? Uh, I don't. I don't hate Woodland. Uh, you mentioned Woodland. It was like what, how long ago it was eleven years ago that he won. But he is has some decent form right now. I saw plus one ninety to top twenty. I could see myself clicking on that. Um, I. I don't think I would take Dustin. I'm not going to take Dustin Johnson at fourteen to one. But he is. He's playing good golf. He's back. DJ, DJ, I don't know what happened to him. He, he had a little little spree there where it didn't feel like he knew what he was doing, but he was on the wrong, he was in that wrong wave that Fitzpatrick was at Sawgrass, and then he ended up shooting like a sneaky 63 on Sunday, or well, Monday, on, in his final round from where like they, there was uh, teed off on number 10 and almost made it and shot 63, which was just a heck of a round of Sawgrass. I know that of course, was receptive, but 
I don't know what his what his finishing position numbers are. Let me just see if I what his top twenty is real quick. So plus one fifty. No, sorry, plus minus one twenty to top twenty. I don't know if I would take that, but I think he is somebody that I'm just gonna start keeping an eye on here. I'm uh, like he is. Like I said, he's back. But for yeah, more it was to interesting that. to see that nine under Sunday or final round, I should say, because he struggled in the round just previous to that. But yeah, if you played him in your final round showdowns, you probably cashed just based on that. There were some really good rounds out there in that final round when that golf course was receptive. I mean, Homa had a had a great round. DJ had a great round. So I think uh, I'm pretty sure it was Hadwin. Adam Hadwin was started on the opposite side and had it to like, like through, he had two holes left and he ended up making bogey and maybe a par, but he was only, I think he was one back of the lead. I think it's only happened twice on the PGA tour where somebody's won the tournament from the backside, like starting on the opposite side. So that'd be kind of funny, but ended up, ended up kind of getting separated there towards the end. Um, but outside of that, I don't really have, I don't really have a ton of picks. I, I'm not taking, I'm not taking Vic at, yeah. uh, at nine to one. Um, but he's another guy I could see, like, I, I don't top five scare me to death, but when you're playing as good as Victor Hovland is like plus two twenty five at top five doesn't terrify me as much as it should, which scares me a little bit. Plus 100 to top 10. He's playing that well, I think. I will give you one more pick. My my final pick outside of, so right now I got, I got Fitzpatrick. I got, I'll, I'll, I'll outright Fitzpatrick. Um, I will uh, top five Hovland, and then I, I do like Gary Wood in the top 20. Then I also, um, I think Harold Varner is playing some Decent golf right now. I know he had that win over in Europe, and then um, to to finish where he did in Sawgrass, I was uh, I was pretty impressed with. So plus one seventy five to top twenty for Victor Hovland. Uh, so my my you picks, like DJ picks for the week. I don't think I will bet DJ. I don't think I love fourteen to one enough, but I will take Fitzpatrick twenty five to one. I will take uh, Hovland um, to top five. I'm going to take Woodland to top 20, and then I'm going to take also take Harold Varner to top 20 at plus 175. Interesting. Okay. I mentioned I, I bet Abraham answered. Yep. Um, saw a little bit of life. Obviously, we, we had talked about the fact that he's a really good on these Pete dies, um, but he also has really good history here. And I like what I'm seeing from these numbers. I like his price at 33. Um, I think this is an interesting spot for him. Kind of a Casey type. He's fifth in my rank. He's 22nd, gaining fairways. 10th in avoiding bogeys. 12th on par fives. Not quite as good on par threes. 46th uh, in par threes, but still comes out to, you know, one of the best, you know, up there at the very top of the uh, – of these key uh, stats. So I, I bet him, I like Jason Kokrak. He also does these things well. He's 55th in gaining fairways, 31st in bogey avoidance, first in ball striking in this field, 
17th on par fives. He's great on par threes, fifth in this field on in par three scoring. Like we mentioned, there are five par threes here, four par fives. I bet Hadwin is 17 to one. He's also really good in these categories. He's seventh in, in, in par threes. He's 10th in avoiding bogeys. Comes in right in some form. He's a former winner here. Um, so I like him a lot. Long shots. I've got a few that I'm when I mentioned Gary Woodland. I just think this is like the long irons. Like if this is going to play like API, you know, maybe, maybe Gary does get it done at the end here. I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. Um, and the 70 felt like a good number because I've seen it at around 45. So those are the four guys I'm in on. Um, I think Mito is kind of interesting. He doesn't really pop in any of these key categories, but 100 to 1 is an interesting uh, number here. I know his his driving is the advantage of that is somewhat mitigated because he's going to be having to be laying up. Um, but really good in the ball striking category. So I don't know, maybe that's a DraftKings or a, uh, more of a longer shot play. Speaking of DraftKings and longer shot plays, I think, you know, Vaughn Taylor is potentially an interesting play. What about the- in DraftKings? Um, maybe Sam Ryder might be interesting. I think Grayson Sig can play well here. Um, if you really want to get crazy, you can mix in some Jimmy Walker has some good history here. Actually played okay uh, last week. That's a little off the board. Perez is the guy who kind of pops in some of these categories. Maybe he's somebody to look at on the on the uh, on the DraftKings side. And then at the top, I haven't placed a bet at the top. You mentioned Holland being nine to one. Colin Morikawa feels like the bet here. If this is a long iron layup course, you know, like we said, why does Colin not play Honda or API? He would do really well here. Then he goes and plays Sawgrass, misses the cut. He's now the third priced player on the board. Feels like there's value. It's crazy to say there's value at 12 to one, but if you, if you're going to pick at the very top, my pick would be Colin. And then the other guy who I'm actually considering betting to win a golf tournament, which sounds insane in and of itself, Louis Oosthuizen, 20 to 1. Like, I can't resist. First in par 3 scoring, sixth in ball striking, 14th on par 5s, third in avoiding bogeys, hits fairways. Hmm. It's just like it's hmm. all lines up there kind of for – that skill set. So I don't know. I'm interested in that. The thing is, I'm not interested enough to pull the trigger at 20, and it'll probably end up coming down if anybody else drops out. Which, you know, like if it's Louie at 16 or Colin at 12, like obviously Colin's the better, such a better bet there because the win equity is so much higher. But I may add somebody below. I mean, I'm okay starting a card at 33. Shit, I haven't been winning anyway. But uh, I might feel I, I may add one player from below that. Well, only time will tell. Hopefully, Is this a Cameron Tringali? He's in that 70 to 80 to 1. He's, he was, did I say he was fourth year last year? 
tied for third. 69, 67, 67, 68. Let's see. How did he do it? He gained a stroke and a half putting every round, which helps. He was hit 61% of fairways, which is really good on this golf course. 58% of greens, which is less good. Compare that with Victor Hovland, who hit 67% of fairways and 61% of greens and gained a stroke around putting. Yeah, I mean, if you're hitting if you're hitting the 60s in both the ball striking categories, let's look at Burns. Boy, Keegan shot 38. And man, he gets into contention, and it's just like the he does the Chris Kirk. He just Shot three over on the back nine here last year to lose by three. Burns only hit 58% of the greens in the week, but he gained over two strokes per round putting. So a hot putter can take you a long way at the Copperhead course. But again, he hit 65% of the fairway. So really maybe even fairways gained is even more important then I'm giving a credit card of credit for let's just look at fairways who gains fairways in this field Stenson number one Knox ZJ Bradley Doc Redman 125 to 1 7400 in DraftKings played well at Sawgrass and is fourth in gaining fairways doesn't score well on par fives but it feels like he could flip that Ches Reeve is sixth, Stewart seventh, Wesley Bryan again plays well here. Grades out well in all these categories. So interesting. Maybe he's 6,300. If you're going to play stars and scrubs and DraftKings, maybe that's a play. Graham McDowell, 10th, Nick Taylor, Kevin Streelman's one here is up there. Kisner. Kisner could be kind of an interesting bet this week. He played really well at Sawgrass. Yeah, I took a bet on him on Sunday, and I was like, "Do you think he was three back at that point?" And he's just—I don't—I can't quite—I can't quite figure him out. He, Me either. Not need, right I now. Need, I need it to be—I need the course to be harder. I needed to be harder. Is really what I needed. It was too—it was too receptive, too nice on Monday for him to really make a charge. But I think when like the going, when the going gets tough, he. Is just, I mean, he's just an absolute gamer. Yeah, he just seems to like pop sort of randomly without rhyme or reason. Maybe there is reason and I just can't find it. But I don't know, he's 16th in gaining fairways in this field, but he doesn't really, he's 72nd in avoiding bogeys, 86th on par fives, he's 90th on the par threes. I don't know, you can't really bet Kisner for his numbers. You bet him because you think he's just in getting to one of those where you feel like he's going to, pop for one of those wins because he's got that win equity is, and this is, this is he's got a good number for this field I'll, I'll give you that if he's up in that 70 range like he's priced with adam hadwin who i bet that's a good that's a fair number yeah matthew fitzpatrick your guy just so you are aware 70th part three scoring 59th on part fives 93rd in avoiding bogeys see like that shocks me. I bet if you go to a longer sample size, that changes totally. Your model's Let's skewed. See. You got a skewed model. 
trying to create a narrative. I don't like it. No, he's 95th in avoiding bogeys in the last 52. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm not going to bet him. I was convinced that I would bet him at Innisburg if he showed up when he missed the cut on, on Friday, but I thought I thought I was going to get like a 40 to 1, not oh. 25. He's going to stick it right to your model. Your stupid model is about to get stuck. Yeah, he might. He's going he to. Might. He's going to stick it right to it. All right, I don't think we have radio this week because we got Northman. So go Northman. Yes, go Northman. Go State. Go go Michigan. March Madness starts today. Pretty excited. Big week. Very cool. Good week of sports. All right. All right. Thanks, Hunter. Yep. Talk to you. Bye bye. All right. I will send this over to you.